Alright, welcome back. This is the Bricks and Mortar Podcast. It's Jonathan Williams here. This is episode 12 of the Bricks and Mortar Podcast. I'm Jonathan Williams. I'm the host of the Bricks and Mortar Podcast. The Bricks and Mortar Podcast, well that's a podcast about property. If you've got an interest in property, if you want to buy, sell, rent or invest in property, then for the next 20 or 30 minutes you should pin back your ears and listen in because we'll have something that will float your boat and light your candle. So we're one week in after the Brexit vote and the fallout has certainly happened. Cameron has resigned. Uh, I'm now recording this on Wednesday and uh, the axes are out for Corbyn. He's now, I think he's going to be forced to resign. So you're looking at a new leader for the Labour Party, new leader for the Conservative Party. Uh, the sturgeon fish has been uh, given the, the brush off by Spain uh, and told to get back into her box. So, man, it's all kicking off on the yeah, the Brexit debate. There's so many movable parts in, in this and uh, really stability, which is what the market, the housing market is looking for, what really any market is looking for, is pretty much non-existent. And it's hard to see when things are going to, to calm down. Uh, you know, given the fact that there's interviews out there with those who um, voted for Brexit, and and they're saying that you know, given uh, another shot at this, they, they they might have thought differently about it. But you know what? It's it's too late for that. I can't possibly think that. Uh, the petition which was doing the rounds for another Brexit vote is is going to come through. So, you know, we've we've voted for it, and we'd better get on with it. We've had a couple of clients who have contacted me just to really get my thoughts as to where we're going with regards to the housing market and and should they continue on with with house purchases. I mean, my view is that, you know, if you're a developer, then it's maybe not the most sensible option to be be buying right now. Um, If you're trying to to flip property, I think we're going to reach a, a point of stagnation as far as the market is concerned until we get some stability back. But if you're into buying a property for the medium to long term, then I think that there's no real point in you staying out of the market. Um, there's a lot of contracts, commercial contracts admittedly, but a lot of contracts I understand have got Brexit clauses and by that I mean clauses that if uh, we voted for Brexit then uh, either party, both parties have the option to to pull the plug and I've certainly heard around the legal traps that there's been a lot of contracts that uh, have fallen foul Um, and I, I think that if you're a commercial property uh, person then you know there must be quite a few concerns um, about moving forward because ultimately companies aren't going to want to invest unless they have got stability and they know that their investment is going to create a return uh, and it's just that must be a huge concern for them. I, I heard a story about uh, one of the larger firms in Scotland and uh, the chief executive phoned up the commercial department, the, co- the commercial property department, um, 
and and said that uh, you know they, they all needed to have a chat. Now this wasn't a week after Brexit. This was on the Friday morning. So you know it is going to affect I think more the sort of commercial property sphere rather than the the resi side of things. Anyway, that's Brexit. Um, We're here to talk about residential property and the buying and selling process. Uh, We had a good run of new work that came in both on the legal side and also the mortgages and protection. And uh, unfortunately, a couple of transactions have have fallen through, not by dint of the Brexit vote, um, but very much that the seller decided that they, they didn't want to sell. And it really was just a reminder, if, if one was ever needed, that until you've actually concluded that contract, concluded the missives, then you know either party can pull the pin and walk away from the transaction. A lot of the times where a transaction fails to complete is probably because the purchaser can't complete because they can't get the money organised. It is quite rare that the seller decides that you know they've they've had enough because ultimately you know they've they've gone through the pain with one particular purchaser and it, you know if they're pissed off that it's taking too long ultimately the chances are it's just going to take as long with a new purchaser so it, it seems somewhat foolhardy just to pull the pin on a transaction where there is a delay from the purchaser in our circumstances we were about to to do the deal and for whatever reason, the, uh, the the seller decided, no, enough's enough. And we don't even know whether or not the seller is going to be remarketing the property. So really, you need to remember that when you're selling a property or when you're buying a property, it ain't over until the missives are signed. What are we going to talk about this week? Well, I'm going to bust a myth about viewing property um, we'll talk about that. I'm going to go on and talk a wee bit about observations. I gave you a fairly long and detailed talk last week about what the solicitor does as far as noting the title, examining the titles. We'll go on and talk a wee bit at length about the observations. And then I'll give you an app of the week, which I found last week. And then we'll do the outro and that'll be us. So. Listen, let's get started with the observations. So where we left off last week was your good old solicitor had examined the title deeds, they had raised the observations, fired the title deeds and the various drafts back to the seller solicitors, job done, let's just wait until the observations and the answers to those observations come back. That's fine. And pretty much that's what you've paid your solicitor to do, to raise observations on the title and make sure that the drafting process has been carried out. But be aware that really once those observations have been raised, then it's down to the seller and the seller solicitors to answer those observations. Because ultimately, if those observations are not answered to the purchaser's satisfaction then the deal ain't going to go through and whilst you might be prepared to take a view as the purchaser on various searches various alterations factors letters guarantees etc 
when the purchaser solicitor is acting for you, if you're getting a mortgage, what you need to be aware of and what is absolutely crucial, and I'll talk about this next week uh, when we're talking about the loans, what you need to be aware of is this, that the purchaser wears two hats in a transaction. He wears the hat for the purchaser, i.e. he's acting for you, but he's also wearing a hat for the bank or building society. Because whilst you are going to tell me that, yes, of course, I'm going to pay the mortgage on a monthly basis, but what happens if you don't? I'll tell you what happens if you don't. Your property gets repossessed. And it's the good old bank or building society who are then going to have to sell the property. And if there's any problem with those titles, they ain't coming after you because you're long gone because you've not paid the mortgage. They're going to come after the poor solicitor. And if that solicitor hasn't done his, his or her job properly, then they're going to sue the solicitor. So what you'll find is that notwithstanding that you might want to and be prepared to take a view on various searches, etc., then there's no way that your solicitor will be able to do that because the bank or building society will want to make sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed to, to really a, an extent where um, there is now no real wiggle room that the purchaser has. Uh, there is a document called the CML regulations and these are regulations that are laid down by the banks and building societies that the purchasing solicitors have to follow. So let's just go through what the main observations are that have, have been raised by your solicitor. They probably fall into five categories. We're looking at searches, we're looking at alterations, we're looking at the factor, we're looking at guarantees and we're looking at title issues. Let's deal with searches first of all, okay? Searches, well, you're looking, if you've got a rural property, then your rural property will need undoubtedly a SEPA report because you'll have a septic tank. So we need to make sure that the SEPA documentation has been ordered. It takes 30 days to order. So you need to make sure that the selling solicitor has ordered that in good time. You've got a Form 12 report. A Form 12 report is a search which will make sure that both the purchaser and the seller do not have any inhibitions, court actions, sequestrations against them. In essence, it is the last search that is carried out by the seller and purchaser just to make sure that there are no hidden nasties as far as bankruptcies and court orders against the seller. Next, you've got the property inquiry report. Well, that's a report which is issued by the local authority. And what that's going to tell you is whether or not there's been any disrepair notices served on the property for which the council are saying there are outstanding monies due and possibly outstanding repairs that require to be carried out. It's also going to tell you whether or not the property has been listed. Listing a property is, is one of the things that can certainly catch you unawares. 
and more so where your property has been altered because if your property has been altered then there could be a possibility that you'll require to obtain listed building consent. So that's your super consent, your form 12, your property inquiry report. A lot of places in Scotland are built under old coal mines or, or areas of, of coal and what your solicitor will need to look at is the coal authority report and then you've got a new piece of legislation um, which is a notice um, just to make sure that the property has been registered properly and again there are various timescales associated with that. Clients, a lot of clients ask me why transactions are delayed and where there's a delay caused by the seller, it generally it's down to somebody not ordering the various searches on time. The searches are so important and they give a, a, a snapshot, a guarantee to the purchaser that everything has been followed through and is acceptable. And without these, really, the lender's not going to allow the solicitor to use the loan funds. So the reasons for most of the delays caused as a result of the seller not being able to complete is down to a failure to order the searches. And, and certainly the purchaser undoubtedly gets hacked off with that because this, the purchaser may well have done everything that they require to do, have got the money in place, only to be let down by the sellers at the last moment. And, and that's one of the things that can be so infuriating about the residential buying process that no matter how good your solicitor is, how good, how well you have organised the transaction, ultimately, if you're dealing with clowns on the other side who aren't able to do their job, there's only so much your solicitor is able to do to coax them and cajole them to order the various searches on time. It doesn't happen very often, but it is one of the, the, the downfalls of the system that your solicitor as a purchasing solicitor can only do so much and is reliant upon the selling solicitor doing their job to the best of their ability. So those are the searches. Let's talk alterations now. Alterations, there's so many times where you come across a set of title deeds and a survey or a home report which states that a property has been altered and where a property has been altered then the selling the, the purchasing solicitor is on the lookout for documentation and what documentation is that well the documentation is a building warrant it is a completion certificate but probably most importantly is the docketed plans these are the stamped plans stamped by the local authority that say you have the authority to carry out the alterations in terms of the plans. And what we as solicitors are looking to do is to send those plans off to the surveyor, who's the only person who has viewed the property. And we say to the surveyor, you've viewed the property. Here are the plans according to the alterations. We need to know that what you saw at the time of the survey 
is what is shown on the alterations plans. And there could have been a few headaches and again, sometimes that's a cause for delay where the plans don't match up with what is physically there and, and what you might need to do is to get a letter of comfort from the council just to make sure that the council don't have any issues. Because what your solicitor is trying to do is trying to ensure that if and when you come to sell the property that you're not going to have any problems. And this is where continuity I think is important and you know if you are instructing a solicitor again when you're selling a property it does make sense as long as you've you've not fallen out with the solicitor and, and he or she has done a good job for goodness sake give them the opportunity of quoting for the next piece of work because they will have skin in the game they will have some knowledge of any previous problems and you're certainly better going back to the original solicitor, no doubt about that. Let's talk factors. Factors is something that's beginning to creep into uh, the, um, the the titles uh, in Edinburgh. Uh, I think that most solicitors in Glasgow, pretty much all solicitors in Glasgow, will have come across factors where you're buying a tenement flat. The factor will be an organisation that will be supposedly looking after the upkeep and maintenance of the common parts. There's some good factors, there's some downright shocking factors, and you... It's actually once you've got a factor, being a, a, an owner of, of a flat back in the day you you sometimes get the factor foisted upon you and sometimes they're not great and it can be a devil of a job trying to get the factor uh, ousted um it will require you to undoubtedly get a vote amongst all of your neighbors and if you've ever lived in a tenement flat then that can sometimes be quite difficult so factors letter, the what we're looking for in purchasing solicitors terms is for a letter from the factor to confirm whether or not there's any liability with regards to outstanding repairs, whether or not there are any what are called notice of potential liabilities, which is a failure by the seller to pay certain amounts for common repairs and finally what we're looking at is clarification as to whether or not there is a common buildings insurance policy so we're looking at searches we've got alterations and factors we're next going to look at guarantees the solicitor is going to look at timber treatment guarantees your 25 year guarantee for any works done to eradicate dry rot wet rot etc rising damp you could be looking at a guarantee, what's called an NHBC guarantee. If you're buying a new build property, that would be one guarantee that a purchaser would be looking for. And any roofing guarantees, you would want to make sure that if there had been any works carried out to the roof, then you should be looking for a guarantee for that work. So that's guarantees. So you'll probably get an idea and understanding that those four things, those four criteria of observations have got absolutely nothing to do with the titles. And it may come as quite a surprise to you that, generally speaking, 
any property that falls foul of completion is probably rarely to do with a problem in connection with the title deeds. Back in the day when I started, back in the early 90s, land registration was in its infancy and for many a transaction you had to go through a ream of title deeds bound up in that pink that pink tape that I talked about a couple of episodes ago. Now that's all a thing of the past. You now get a booklet called a land certificate. And generally speaking, there is very little wrong with the set of title deeds. You still need to make sure that what you're buying is what your client is expecting. You need to know that the person selling the property is the the person who owns the property. Uh, And there's really... No, very rarely is there a, a major problem with the title deeds. And the reason being, obviously, is because the property has probably been sold dozens and dozens of times before. Uh, and whilst you can never take it as read that there won't be a, a problem with the titles, uh, very rarely that there is a, an issue. I always remember back when I was training, Jeffrey Aitken and Gordon Frew always used to, to make... Uh, once you had examined the the title deeds you had to then uh, go and uh, he would tear strips off you um, if you had not noted the title properly and it was a great education as far as uh, your your training is concerned and what he said to me was um, he always tried to find something wrong with the titles and uh, that has stood me certainly in, in good stead over the years that I've been practicing. So the title deeds, issues with title deeds, what are you going to find as far as issues are concerned? Well, you've got access issues. You might not have full access to the garden. Um, there may be areas of the property that actually you've got access to, but you don't own. So sometimes you will have parts of the garden that the purchaser or the seller rather says that they own but when you see the title deeds that's not always the case that can cause a problem sometimes where we were looking at the uh, part of the land certificate which details what outstanding mortgages there are sometimes there are more than one mortgage and sometimes it can be a problem where a previous solicitor hasn't actually, although they've paid off the mortgage, they haven't actually done the legal work to discharge the mortgage. So so that can certainly cause a problem. But as I say, very rarely is there an issue with regards to uh, the examination of the titles. So that's pretty much all I want to say about the observations. Uh, the answer to the observations are generally answered by the sellers on a piecemeal fashion just as they receive the searches in they will then forward them on to your solicitor and your solicitor will in turn update you as to what searches are still outstanding all of the searches and observations must be answered before the date of entry And if they're not, then there will be a delay and any solicitor worth their salt should be telling you exactly when 
the observations are going to be answered and if there is a delay tell you uh, that there is going to be a delay and give you sufficient time to reorganize your 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 uh, your move there's a fair amount to do there you'll see i mean observations in themselves some solicitors will will only refer to um, three or four observations other sets of solicitors will have a whole raft and a whole schedule of observations and there'll be sort of tick boxes as to which ones need to be attended to and which do not uh, so there's a lot of work that requires to be done by the seller solicitors and the as i say all of these have to be dealt with the good news and as i always tell my clients when we're buying and selling it's not as if you are in a court action here uh, i always use the analogy here that we've got the purchaser and we've got the seller it's not as if the purchaser owes the seller money or the seller owns the purchaser money uh, ultimately somebody wants to buy and somebody wants to sell they want to achieve the same aim by the time the solicitor gets involved the purchase price has been agreed the date of entry has been agreed so really it's just a meeting of minds so ultimately the transaction should go ahead as long as there are no real issues with regards to uh, the observations and because the property has been bought and sold numerous occasions it's unlikely that there's going to be a problem actually with the title deeds and if there is going to be a problem it is probably down to the fact that the purchaser ha has been unable to obtain the funding but give yourself enough time uh, of all the, the things that, that stress clients out it's because there is a lack of time you know what four weeks isn't enough time to get the transaction sorted out i've done a transaction in in two or three weeks but you know it can be bumpy and if your uh, understanding of that and, and all you want is the keys as quickly as possible then then that's fine but because it's a process which relies upon so many other third parties you really should be giving yourself a good six to eight weeks ample time for you to get your mortgage ample time for the titles to be ordered ample time for searches to be obtained and any issues that come out of those searches enough time for those to be dealt with so that's it that's your observations you're looking at searches alterations factor guarantees and title issues Everything's off to the selling solicitors. Let's see what the seller comes back with and we'll report on that next week. Let's bust another myth, shall we? The myth I want to bust this time round is the myth about being able to go back out to the property to have another look at it after your offer has been accepted. Had a client offer accepted this week and the first thing he said was, I only had a quick look at it. I need to go back out and have another look at the property. No chance. The estate agent is not going to be interested in allowing you to do that. And the reason is this. The only thing that, the, that can happen to the estate agent is that he or she can lose the sale. 
They will have had their fingers burnt in the past where they have allowed somebody out to the property after the offer has been verbally accepted only for the purchaser to turn up, have a look at the property and think, oh my lord, I've paid 15 grand over the home report valuation. What on earth was I thinking about? I need to get out of this. And they toddle off to the solicitor. The solicitor then tells them, you know what, you've not concluded missives. You can walk, technically you can walk away. I'll just fire a letter out to the other side solicitors and say, unfortunately, we're not going ahead. So be warned that if you want to go and have another look at the property, for goodness sake, do it before your offer has been accepted. Because once that offer has been accepted, you ain't going back out to that property until you've signed on the line that is dotted. That's to say you will not get another opportunity to go back out to the property until you have concluded missives. Because at that time, there's a signed and sealed deal and you can't welch from the deal and the seller has to sell the property to you. Until that point is reached, then either party can walk away from the transaction. So view the property, do all your due diligence before you put that offer in. Right, I'm wrapping up here. I'm going to get out of here. It is just gone half past nine. I'm going to see if I can crack out a run. I've been a bit slack over the last couple of days and I really should get the runners back on and go out for a run. Uh, we've got a holiday booked in Crete over the next two weeks. Um, we're off at the, uh, the middle of July, so um, need to, to shift some kgs as I stood on the scales this morning and got a bit of a shock just because I've just been a, a lazy arse over the, the last two or three weeks. The deck's done, school's finished and so therefore there should be a wee bit more time just to get some exercise done. You know what, get in touch with me please. Uh, I'm on the Twitters as I say on a weekly basis, Williams underscore BB, always good to get some more followers. Uh, I've not told you about LinkedIn but I'm on LinkedIn so just... I guess go on to LinkedIn and, and type in Jonathan Williams. You'll find me there. The website, the Bricks and Mortar podcast, we still remain on the first three searches under Google, which is always good. You can download the podcast. We're on iTunes. I guess you just type in the Bricks and Mortar podcast or go on to the website and you can get the links in there. All of the podcasts are posted on the website and I certainly put those on the Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook page, as you should all be aware, is Bricks and Mortar. Just type that into the Facebook page and the Bricks and Mortar uh, Facebook page will come up. So see, I'm going to uh, strap on the trainers. I'm going to get out of here. Next week, we're going to have a talk about uh, stamp duty or what is now known as LBTT. There's been a whole raft of changes that you need to be aware of. So if you are looking to buy a property, then you need to listen to that show. Undoubtedly, uh, I'm going to do another 
talk on property myths. This one is going to talk about whether or not you actually need to have your finance organised. A lot of people think that you cannot put an offer in without having your finances organised. It's always a good thing to do that, get your finances organised, that is, but it's not absolutely necessary. So until next time, thanks for listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. The Bricks and Mortar podcast, a sideways look at property. We'll see you next time.